ABC's a Greek. Oh, the ABC's a Greek. The ABC's a Greek. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the ABCs of Greek. I'm Thomas. I'm Erin. And I'm Jacqueline. And this is a podcast where we recap the ABC Family original series Greek episode by episode. We are so excited to welcome Michael Lang to the podcast today. Michael directed over 30 episodes of Greek and was a co-executive producer on the show. He's also directed episodes of iconic shows like The X-Files, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Dawson's Creek, The O.C., and so many more. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's always fun to talk about about Greek. I haven't really looked at, you know, it's been hanging in my office, but I haven't really looked at it in years. Oh my God. It was it was the last episode I directed. Oh my gosh! Should everybody sign it? Actually, yeah, Dilshad. Hold on, I think everyone signed it. Scott. Oh. Oh my God, Dilshad. What an amazing keepsake! I love. Yeah, that. that's so nice. Sad. Oh, you've made me sad because now. Oh making... no. Oh man. All right. Aww. There's already so much nostalgia with like recapping the show. I can't even imagine actually having been a part of it. And looking back on it, like even just as viewers and people watching it now, you know, I think the, the nostalgia of it is such a huge part. You know, it was uh, my wife had never seen it. I, we've been we've known each other for almost 10 years now. And um, she had never seen the show, which is really weird to me. It's like kind of it's weird because I, you know, it's a, it was a huge part of my life. I mean just it, it's I directed 33 episodes of it so that's more than any other show I've directed and I you know I was I was on it for I think four four years or three years or something and she had never seen it so we started watching it and it was it was we kind of binged the first two seasons it was fun and it's such an easy show to get hooked into exactly and it kind of it holds up you know yeah Definitely. We talk about that a lot too on the podcast, how, especially at the beginning when we first started watching it, and of course, like it started in 2007 and we're, we were pleasantly surprised at how well it really does hold up. And a lot of shows, when you look back on, you know, there, there are a lot of things that it's like, oh, that wouldn't fly today. Or just like it, the storylines don't feel like fresh and as fun, but Greek, it's not the case. And we've been really, really happy to have found that yeah and also it's it's there was sort of a sad thing that hit me which is a lot of the issues that the show dealt with we're still struggling with today yeah well we're, we're so excited to talk to you today yeah you know it was whenever anyone asked me what's your favorite show you've ever done it's like I don't even ever have to think about it it's Greek Aww. oh that's so great to hear yeah that's yeah. a really great thing to hear I mean, I think from everyone that we've talked to from the show too, it's always like everyone's had such a good experience with it. And it's so nice to know that, especially like talking about it so much and like reliving all of it. It's so nice to know that if they're having as much fun or seemingly everyone that's working there has as much fun doing it as you have watching it, you know? Right. Yeah, we definitely had a lot of fun doing it. It was somewhat, you know, it was a fairly low budget show. So so it was tricky, you know, it was there was some stress involved, but I tried to keep it away from everyone on the set. So I think our first question is just how you got involved with the show, a little bit more about, you know, how you came on, maybe how you first heard about the project. I think my agent must have pitched me to the show. And so I directed, I think it was episode seven of season one. And it was a fantastic experience all around. So when they got their pickup for season two, they contacted me and asked, they had decided at that point that they should have a producing director. So they contacted me and asked if I would like to do it. So it was such a fantastic experience. And I just felt like it was a good fit. You know, I mean, I really liked all the people on the show. And and I thought that, well, by being a producing director, that I would have a chance to sort of shape the set part of it obviously the writing and everything was was you know not necessarily my area although I did weigh in quite a bit on that but um you know as far as how the set ran I could sort of put into practice all the ideas that I had from having done so many shows before that what was not working as well as it could and then just implement it so I took the job that's awesome yeah we also love to hear like 
if anybody involved in the show like had experience with Greek life did you were you in a fraternity in college or what was that like and did you bring any of that experience to set with you uh well a lot of people on the show were you know like I know Lloyd Segan was a big fraternity guy and in fact he still was I mean I don't know now I haven't seen him in a while but he was still pretty heavily involved in in you know with his fraternity brothers from college and whatever I, yes, I was in a fraternity for a short amount of time. I'm not a big group guy. Sort of, <laughs> so I was in Sigma Alpha Mu. I went to George Washington University. So I was in Sigma Alpha Mu and I, I was a pledge. So I went through all that. And then um, it was kind of fun. And then they wanted, they, when I became a brother, they made, decided to make me the pledge master. <laughs> Which, you know, I don't know. I said, okay, and then I quit. <laughs> <laughs> after going through all of the the hazing process yeah. the pledge process then you're like this is what i wanted i'm done with it yeah and i became a you know i have my pen somewhere i have my pen i i went through the initiation where all the all the hoo-hoo stuff and whatever <laughs> you know blood i don't know i don't think there was blood involved but there might have been <laughs> you know i and that was all cool and i felt that bond of brotherhood but then i realized I'm not really into the big group thing, so I quit. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I think they were horrified. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess in a way, Greek, the show is kind of like a, a big fraternity. Everybody yeah. on it. <laughs> it was, except they all had to do what I said, so, you know. <laughs> like when you were the pledge master, so really exactly. similar. <laughs> exactly, I ended up, I guess I did, I ended up, Becoming the pledge master. <laughs> Always meant to fulfill that role. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but anyway, though, I mean, I know we were all very into authenticity in terms of the, the Greek experience. So, you know, a lot of the people, like the network people at ABC Family, and now it's Freeform, but ABC Family at the time, they had been pledges, I mean, had been uh, fraternity or sorority people. So, there was, you know, people would input a lot of times. However, you know, I always said, we're not making a documentary. So if, you know, it's all nice to be authentic, but again, you know, it wasn't really, you know, there's no such thing as capital. Right. Because <laughs> so, it has to be entertaining as well. So totally. Yeah. Sometimes I would overrule the authorities. <laughs> well, Jacqueline and I were both, we were in the same sorority in, um, in college, and we are always saying, like, how accurate they, like, some of the things on the show get, especially, uh -huh. um, like, the, the meetings with some of the officers and, um, like, the, the politics there were always really pleasantly surprised at, like, how kind of, like, right nail on the head it is. Yeah, yeah, like I said, there were quite a number of people that, um, have been in fraternities and would always weigh in, happily weigh in. And then, like I said, sometimes I would have to weigh them out. <laughs> Outweigh them or something. Something would weigh. They, they went away. That's it. <laughs> and there's so much to every episode, like so many characters, so many different plot lines and, you know, different sets that you all were filming at. Like, what was most important to you? when you went into directing an episode? I mean, I think the most, to me, the most important thing is the characters. Um, and and uh, so to me, that because if you look at any long running show, it's like I did a lot of episodes of a show called Bones. So it ran for, I think, 13 seasons or whatever. And basically, if you, if you I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's the same exact episode every single week. They find it. <laughs> thing they bring it back to the lab usually intact there's a lot of other disgusting things that happen and then they solve it so why would someone watch every single week and the reason is because the characters they want to see those characters every week or now you know binge them whatever see them all but um and so i mean i think that's the most important thing everything else is just uh dressing um so that's sort of what I always was into, making sure that nothing got in the way of 
of the of exploring the characters, how they related to each other, how they relate to life, their problems, et cetera, et cetera. Then, however, it's entertainment. So obviously, like the um, we did this episode where there was the Greek Olympics, which actually spawned out of adversity came a, a thing that we ended up using for the rest of my of, of the show, which we called it the Huntington method. So it was we shot at the Huntington Gardens, which is in, I believe it's Pasadena. And it's an incredibly beautiful place. Um, but they have, it was very, very restrictive in terms of what we could do, what we couldn't do, mostly what we couldn't do. So it, and then oh, on top, so we get there, they tell, they, they, they say in order to move a piece of equipment, someone from the facility had to be there to supervise the moving of that piece of equipment. So there's thousands of pieces of equipment that move, you know, every minute on, on a set and someone had to supervise while we moved it. So it's, things were sluggish to say the least. Then on top of it, the, the cameraman, the deep director of photography, who's a very good friend of mine, Jules Labarth, he, his wife uh, was, was pregnant and he got the call, she's giving birth, so he left. Oh my gosh. Um, which, you know, under, you know that's the kind of show it was. It was like no one held it against him. That's more important than Greek. So I think on other shows, he might have been fired. But anyway, so, you know, because we trusted the guy that took over. And so ended, we ended up, We I realized by like, you know, 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning, there was no way we were going to complete the work of that day. So I decided that I would just shoot all of the wide shots there and then we would bring everything else back to the lot with, you know, we had, uh, there were balloons, uh, white and blue balloons and columns and people were in costumes. And so I figured there'd be enough visual information in each frame so that if we put a bunch of that information and we were at some other place, the audience would never know. And it worked like gangbusters. So from then on, that's how we shot everything on the show. If we had to go to a location, we would, you know, I would take the director who I, I directed every other one. So occasionally there'd be a director who, who would have to do it this way. We call it the Huntington method. So um, I would have to explain how the Huntington method worked. And if, if you know anything about filmmaking, the truth is it, it's not really like it's kind of a duh thing because when you shoot a close up, it could be anywhere as long as you have elements in the shot that look like the set. That you're shooting at so we would just shoot all the wide shots on the location then come back to the to the uh the lot and shoot the rest of it so it would normally be a two-day location would now become a one-day location and then back on the lot we would shoot the rest of it, which saved a ton of money yeah we would you know obviously the production designer would be involved so that we would make sure to have visual elements that we could move to both places in order to make the magic happen and so most of the directors, you know, did a great job with it, really sort of embraced it. it was, it's cool because it's, you know, movie magic. Uh, some of them had some, you know, issues, couldn't really wrap their head around it because it was, it's tricky because you kind of have to remember the performances and, you know, what hand the book was in. And so, but that was a, that was, and that was something that was really great that we could do on that show that I, I think on other shows to propose ideas like that as a sort of a policy of how we shoot things would be, you'd have resistance. But the producer was this woman named Nellie Nugel, who again, we're also still friends, which is pretty amazing because most shows when you do it, it's intense, a lot of pressure, and a lot of times everyone ends up hating each other. <laughs> <laughs> but so Nellie also was very, very creative and you know, thought out of the box all the time. And in fact, we didn't really have a box on Greek. So that was good. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I don't think I ever noticed any kind of change in location at all throughout an episode. Like yep. they definitely did a good job of keeping it. The one to really watch, if you if you go back and watch the Greek, the Olympic one, I think, what mm -hmm. was it? I forgot what it was called, but it was the Greek Olympics. Yeah. And uh, watch that one and you won't be able to tell. I, looking back at it now, you know, we just watched it a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I, I said basically just as a rule of thumb, if it was a close up, it was on the lot. 
Yeah. But I can't oh. tell. I really can't tell anymore what was the lot and what was Huntington Gardens. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see. I mean, one of the locations you shoot at at a, one of the ending episodes, it might be the last episode, is Aaron, uh, me and Aaron's college, our alma mater that we went to. So I'm excited to see kind of where that pops up. I know mm -hmm. I've watched it before when I first watched the show, but to see it again will be fun. Yeah. So you mentioned a little bit uh, in your answer about kind of how the show was so character driven. Uh, was there a specific character that you really like felt a bond with or felt like you related to more or more of an attachment to? Well, I mean, my the first one that pops into my mind would be Cappy. I, I think, uh, you know, of all the characters, he's the most fun and he's the most spontaneous. I think in probably in, in many of our hearts, he's the kind of person we would like to be that sort of go with it, go with the flow, He's able to fix anything that goes wrong. He could figure out a way to, to do it. And he's confident that he can. And, you know, obviously he has his insecurities and his fears and whatever. But I think overall, he's, you know, a amazing character. And I loved him the most, basically. Yeah. However, I loved all of them. Yeah. I loved all of them. I'm sure as you like go through a show like this and you see the character arcs change so much, you probably just like have so much of an attachment to all of them. Like you start to really get into their heads, you know? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, even watching it, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, oh man, it's like, you know, you get really involved and, and you see them, oh, don't do that. No, no, he's better for you. You know, all that stuff. It's funny. Um, kind of in that same vein um, of like favorites, do you have a favorite? I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be even an episode, but like a favorite storyline um, throughout the series. Oh, boy. I'm sure there well, are so many. Yeah, there's <laughs> so many. Jeez. I mean, I think all of them are really compelling. Like, I think the Calvin storyline, what he went through, especially you know i get like again watching it from the beginning and all that you know how he was so afraid to come out and then finally he was kind of outed and then he realized he needs to do that but it was still hard i mean that's i mean that that was a a great storyline and that was something i think i think you know the cappy casey right the cappy casey storyline i mean that's something we all like we've all experienced that so that was like you know we're rooting for whatever to happen but it's something we can identify with. But I think the Calvin storyline is so important. And, you know, so many people, I was saying that so many people have no idea about that at all. Like coming out as a gay person. I mean, my son, my son happens to be gay. And so I'm sort of familiar with that, with what he went through. Um, but I think a lot of people aren't. And so that's kind of the power of television that you go into people's house, you know, houses and you get them attached to these characters and then you take them on a ride that opens them up to experiences uh, you know, that they have not ever had. And hopefully they can identify now, oh man, that must be hard. Another human being that, you know, has, that's different than me. And now I get that we're connected in some way because you know, we, we all have our weaknesses and not me, but you know, everyone else. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's it's a great, it's a very powerful thing, which I, that's another reason why I particularly loved that show. Everything was so interwoven and, and, and felt organic and, and authentic that you didn't feel like you were being lectured to. You felt like, you know, you were being educated and enlightened. So that was great. Yeah, totally. I, we always say that, like, we feel like the characters were so easy to empathize with and you got to know them so well through the show that even when you like were disagreeing with them you could always understand where they were coming from exactly. I think that's like one of the best parts that we always say about Greek yep yeah that was definitely great and you know Sean Smith that was his his whole thing was about earning moments you know, an unearned moment, which I'm not sure I could define really. It's something sort of you have to, something I think you just sort of get. But he was really made sure that anything that, that you know, happened was, there was structure and it made sense to the audience when it happened. Oh, I get it now. Right. He was real. That was his big thing. That's interesting to know because like you can definitely see that. Like even when 
a character is doing something bad, like you always know their motivation, yep. which I think is so helpful. Yep, definitely. Which is great. And I love the story. Like, I love the storytelling in that. I mean, like, I don't think everything always has to be linear, obviously, but, but I, there was a certain, maybe because Sean spent so much time making sure everything, you know, sort of worked. So much of the storytelling that's done in TV today is nonlinear and, or they don't, they hold, withhold information from the audience. And I'm like, oh, geez, why? Or they'll do a, the character will be looking at something. And I'll, you know, I'll sit there going, okay, when's the insert? When do we get yeah. to see it? We don't get to see it. And then they have some expression on their face, which I'm sure means something to whoever wrote the damn thing. <laughs> the audience is sitting there going, what the fuck is going on? And yeah. I, I hate that. <laughs> I just think it's bogus storytelling because it's just, you know, it's like, that's not how you tell story. The whole idea of storytelling is the person you're telling the story to needs to be with we with you i mean obviously like i said you know not knowing something can sometimes be exciting but i think yeah. greek had a nice balance of that i think anyway yeah. totally and i think too some of those moments that you were mentioning what's interesting is that so many people have like you know written to us or they talk to us about how like our audience like they still remember so many of those moments like their core memories almost from these episodes like they'll see it and just be like that was a core memory that you just unlocked <laughs> wow yeah. that's great to hear yeah so powerful and, and timeless really um but kind of speaking of timing so sometimes we we talk and we kind of almost like fantasize about like if we could see a reboot now or like see where the characters are today mm -hmm. like where would they be? And just curious to get your thoughts, especially since, you know, you were so, you worked so closely with those characters. Where would you, you know, see some of them today? Oh my God. Well, I think, let's see. Uh, well, I was, I immediately went to ridiculous jokey things, but you know, Cappy, I'm sure he probably would, he may be still in college, like 10 years <laughs> later. Because that was kind of his, that was where he thrived. That was his happily kingdom. in college. <laughs> happily in college. Now he's and he's probably studying for his third PhD, and he doesn't want to be a professor. They've offered it to him, but he doesn't want to be because that's too much responsibility. And I think he still loves Casey and wants to be with her, but he realized at some point he's really not the guy for her. Mm. So that's Cappy. <laughs> I just got chills. You don't think they, they're not end game? They don't have no, I don't think so. Because I think ultimately, I think ultimately they didn't, they didn't really fit. Because she, because mm. I mean, you know, you say opposites attract, but I always think I, that's in magnets, that's true. <laughs> I think in human beings, the people who I, who I end up being friends with and my wife are the most you know, we're the most alike to live together. So, yeah. you know, like we both are kind of, you know, like things to be clean and, you know, whatever. <laughs> I don't know why that first popped into, I'm looking at my office, which is a, kind of a mess right now. But, um, you know, I think people who share interests end up tending to be better together. And Casey and Cappy were so opposite. It worked great in a TV show because right. fun and games and you like that conflict. And that all worked great, but I think in ultimately they could not possibly stay together. Um, I don't think they had a huge fight. I think at some point they agreed that they were not good for each other and they went off and did their thing. I think Casey probably became a lawyer and uh, I think she probably would end up working as like a family lawyer, but representing mm. like women who were, you know, abused or whatever. That's because she had that sort of tendency to want to help people. And even though, I mean, a lot of the fluffy sorority thing aside, I think her core was a good hearted person. So Evan, uh, you know, I think he definitely became a corporate big wig, probably Elon Musk type, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he actually is me. Elon Musk. <laughs> That's yeah. the big reveal. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> Um, Calvin, I, the joke that I thought of was he became like the most successful um, drag queen in 
in in history, but I, I think that would be just a joke. I think he was also a very a serious guy. I'm sure he went on to, you know, do something big. I mean, I think I think uh, um, Jacob Rusty. I think he ended up probably in a small apartment in New York City. Didn't ever make any big money, but he he's kind of brilliant. So he somehow found his way, but. He, he's, I think ultimately he re ended up going back into his shell because that's kind of where he feels the most comfortable. So maybe he's like a CPA that works on huge, for huge rich people, but he never sees them. It's all online and he has some other picture of some other handsome guy that he managed to AI. <laughs> oh that, you know, he looks like a super successful guy with a big <laughs> office behind him, but it's really his little one bedroom apartment in New York city. And he <laughs> has a huge, yeah. Dude, you're doing rusty dirty here. That's right. It's because I love it's, them all. It's so. fine with us. No, he's very successful and he's very happy, as happy as rusty could be. Yeah. Right. He has a huge amount of money, but he doesn't really know how to spend it. Yeah. So eventually he'll leave it to some, maybe he'll leave it to one of Casey's charity cases that she works with. Who else is, oh, um, well, I think, you know, um, Rebecca, I don't know what happened to her. That's a good question, what happened to her. Because I, I I feel like even though, like looking at the show, her character was very manipulative and pretty nasty, actually, when you think about it, but I don't picture her that way. I mean, even fa factoring out Dillshad, it's like I didn't picture the character of Rebecca as nasty as she comes across in the show. So I don't know. No. What we always think that like you really get to know Rebecca's like core kind of like throughout the show so I feel like even when she can be very like quick and kind of biting like she is underneath it all like a sweet person or like a caring person it comes from like a more of a place of heart than it does like trying oh, to be mean. Okay. Well, that's what we always say <laughs> we're wrong I'll go with that like <laughs> where I'm going with it on my idea She's kind of like a cat, though. Like, you'll take the little morsels of softness when right. you give it, and you're like, oh, my God, wait, no, you're, you're so nice. You're so nice and loving to me, and then, like, bites you again. And you're like, yeah. oh. Right. That's a good analogy, a cat. Yeah. Oh, so we were wondering if you had any, like, memorable moments from filming, anything that sticks out from you from your time on the set with everyone? Oh, Funny story. a million. I have a million of them. Probably for fans, I probably should not tell most of them, but I'll tell the one that's the most, the most kind of fun is I was involved with a, I was developing a show about the ATF, which is the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms. So these are a bunch of, uh, it's a federal, you know, I, you, uh, they're like the FBI, except they're bad. And I'm, st I have a, quite a few friends still that, you know, that I met on trying to develop the show. Ultimately, it didn't happen. It really couldn't happen because, you know, the, so much of their work is undercover. And it's it when you hear the real stories that happened that they get involved with, it it sounds like you, you, you would not believe it. But you would not believe, like, that this could really happen. These, I mean, stuff that they do is, like, insane. So, but it was it was a very cool show. But there was so one time I invited one of the guys who had been, he was an undercover ATF guy who at the time was working in a tattoo parlor in Venice, California. So pretty nasty. So he came to the set because we were, you know, if we were going to do the show, I figured, oh, it'll be good to see if he sees how the set works. And he was going to be one of our consultants. So he came to the set and we're doing this huge scene and Jake McDormand was, had a, uh, a bunch of lines. He couldn't remember his lines. So we kept having to cut and then the script supervisor would shout out the line. He would say, oh yeah, I'm sorry. Then we would do it again and he would forget it. You know, these things happen, but with Jake, they happened a little more often, but <laughs> yeah. so, so after about five or six times, I finally said, let's just cut and uh, let's just pick it up from right before the line that you're forgetting. So he was like, okay. And so he did it and we got through it. And so we finished his part of the scene. So the ATF guy says, isn't this guy supposed to know, know his lines? I said, yes, he is. That's his job, right? Yes, it is. 
And he said, do you know what happens if I don't know? Because, oh, they refer to themselves as doing a part when they're undercover, because they are, they're not themselves, they're playing a part. So he says, do you know what happens to me if I forget my lines? I said, what happens? He said, I get killed. (laughs) So the silence that just happened with you guys before you started laughing, that's what I did. I'm like, right, (laughs) you get killed. (laughs) Anyway. The stakes were a lot lower for Jake. Thank well, God. <laughs> right. Take take three. The, the, my friend, the ATM guy, didn't have a take. He had just take one and then move on. <laughs> what a funny like juxtaposition of being on that set and that yeah. being your life. <laughs> right. Yeah. Weird. And and it's weird that they call themselves actors too. I'm yeah. acting. I'm acting like a tattoo parlor guy. Uh, you know, a lot of fun stuff. Oh, one. I left, I was supposed to do a show called Dirty Sexy Money, which was a big ABC show, very, very good show. And I had been booked to do two of them. And then when I got to do Greek, I had to back out of one of them, up out of the second episode. So the producer who I had become friendly with says, you're going to do this stupid show about college kids doing beer bongs instead of our show. I said, well, you know, I'm a producing director and it's a good opportunity for me. And you know, yes, the answer is yes. So now, li- literally, the first episode I did, there's this huge party, and the guys are doing beer bong, right? So I took a picture. I had them take a picture of me doing a beer, you know, with the beer bong, whatever, the beer going into my mouth. <laughs> to him, I said, you were right, and it's fun. <laughs> No. I'm sure. Well, I thought it must have been so fun, like being on the set, especially with the, so those party scenes. And they're so fun to watch, too. Like you can tell everybody's having a good time. Yep. Everyone had a good Oh, here's a, this is another good one. This is good. Uh, the episode where we went to, it was a beach. I think it was called Spring Break or Spring Broke. I think it was called Spring mm-hmm. Break. <laughs> So we shot a lot, most of it down. I think it was in Redondo Beach or one of those beaches, the Manhattan Beach, one of those. And then there was a big sequence that was the, what was the name of the band? American? Plain uh, White Tees. Oh. It wasn't the Plain White Tees. It was another oh, band. yeah. There's the band during spring break, like the yes. big um, oh. concert. I want to say American Bang might have been the name of the group. Okay. Um, so... And they were on a stage and, and it was a night night sequence, big party scene, hundreds of extras. And the the exec produce one of the exec producers who shall go nameless um, thought we should shoot it on the beach. And this was in the summer we were shooting this. So that means the nights are pretty short in the summer. So I said, there's no way we're gonna be able to shoot this on the beach. It's gonna be probably at least 12 to 14 hours of work and the, we won't have the control and it won't look as good. And you think it's gonna look as good, but it's not gonna look as good. And he was insistent, right? We're gonna shoot it on the beach. I said, okay, so what is, what's the shot that we're gonna get on the beach that we're not gonna get on the stage? And I said, I can tell you what it is. You don't even have to say. It's a gigantic wide shot over the band, seeing 350 extras, going crazy, balloons shooting up in the air, throwing up stuff. And in the background, we're gonna see the ocean and the waves and the pier. And then we're gonna boom down into Cappy, right? And he said, yeah. I said, okay, so let's figure out that shot. So we're gonna need a 70 foot crane, right? And he said, yeah. I said, well, can we afford a 70 foot crane? I said, but let's move on. Let's say we can. So. We have 350 extras, probably can't afford 350 extras. It's going to be night on the beach, so everyone's going to be fucking cold because it gets cold on the beach in California. And then the sand is going to be that kind of damp sand stuff, so everyone's going to be aggravated. No one's going to be looking like they're having fun because they're going to be miserable. The cast is going to be complaining. But let's forget all that. Let's say that doesn't happen. Let's say it's an unusually warm night. It could happen. Not really, but it could happen. So then we're going to want to see the ocean, right? The beautiful ocean with the waves crashing in. Yeah. I said, and how are we going to do that? Because the ocean is dark at night. 
So we're going to need to light the ocean. So we're going to have to get a big light and we're going to have to put it out in the ocean because it's going to have to be hitting the ocean so that we could see the ocean. So we're going to have to get a barge and the barge is going to have to go about a half a mile out to get far enough away so we could see the ocean, but not the light. So we're going to have to have a 60 or 70 foot light on a big barge. So can we afford that? And he said, no, I said, right. So we're going to shoot it on the stage. <laughs> we're going to get a great stock shot of Fort Lauderdale or wherever it was supposed to be. Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach, right. <laughs> and there could be, you know, maybe we'll find, I had already found one, fireworks and people growing crazy. And, and uh, then we're going to cut to the stage and we're going to, the rest of it, we're going to shoot on the stage where we have complete control and everyone will be nice and warm and we'll get 250 extras instead of 400 extras and it'll look like 400 extras because they'll be filling the space that we have and we'll put a moon we'll we'll get a moon out there you know we'll get a backing of the ocean which we'll see and there'll, there'll be a moon you'll no one's gonna know so look at the episode trust me you won't know that it was on a stage yeah we we watched it relatively recently and definitely yeah. could not tell that it was on a stage right and we were all nice and comfortable i had my nice director's chair and we had snacks and <laughs> no sand it was nice and warm and we shot it during the day that's the other nice thing we didn't have to be up all night shooting it's miserable shooting at night i'm sure so that was kind of fun but again those are kind of the things that we could do on the show because you know we needed to figure out creative ways to make the show look big but not spend a lot of money um, well, while we're on the topic of shooting in Redondo Beach or Manhattan Beach, I love to go down just south a few more beaches to the OC. Oh. Um, we saw that you directed quite a few episodes. I'm a huge fan. I have been since I was a kid. Um, and we were listening to um, your your episode of Welcome to the OC, Bitches. Right. <laughs> did um but I would we'd love to know like what kind of the difference was filming because I would say the OC it's definitely a super funny show but I it leans more into kind of the drama and a little right. more of that seriousness so what how were those experiences different being on Greek which was a little bit lighter but still kind of like that same demographic of right. audience well, first of all, the budget on the OC was gigantic, you know, it was huge. So yeah. we didn't have, we, you know, we didn't really have to figure out much movie magic. Although, I mean, the, you know, all the interiors of the houses were all obviously on stage. Even the backyard, the OC, the pool at the, at uh, Adam, or at, you know. Cohen's, the Cohen's house. Yes, the Cohen's. <laughs> I just know their real names. <laughs> Um, at their house that was the pool was actually on stage we, it was a smaller but it looked it looked good um but the difference was i mean yeah i think the the oc tended towards more melodrama yeah. um you know everything was a little more heightened and it was not and i i think it was more yeah i guess melodrama is the only word i need to yeah i mean i could never see it happy carrying Casey out of a fiery car wreck in any exactly. <laughs> way Ryan and Gary, exactly. Marissa. Yeah, everyone was more serious. I think, I think Greek was equally as authentic. I well, no, I was going to say, I don't think that I felt, I feel like even though the OC was a more serious show, it was, I'm not, not to say that the OC wasn't authentic in, in term. I mean, I think it was a good show. It was well-written. It was well done. But it did. I don't think it had that same feeling of life as as Greek did. I mean, yeah. you know, you know, I I feel like it was you know, like with Greek, you really feel like you're part of them, like you're you're experiencing things along with them. Whereas the OC, I feel like you were more of a viewer. Totally. Yeah. And so I think the issues it dealt with were not as as I as enlightening as the, or maybe it's the way they did it like you know it was the bad the kid from the bad neighborhood fish out of water in the rich the rich people all acted just like rich people and the kid from the bad neighborhood acted like the bad neighborhood and then he eventually sort of was able to 
you know, resolve himself into living in this life now and kind of got along, even though it was bumpy occasionally. It was all pretty cut and dry. Whereas yeah. I think grief was pretty much all was often unexpected. Yeah. And I think even just universally, I, I feel like audiences can see themselves more in characters in Greek, like right. just in the, what they're doing day to day. Not that the characters on the OC weren't relatable because they certainly had like very rich interpersonal worlds. But I think just being directly applicable to people's lives where the OC just not so much, right, not no. as much rather. And the other thing is I believed that the Greek people were in college. Whereas, yeah, absolutely. The, the OC people seem like these aren't high school kids. <laughs> and the kind of things that they were dealing with in high school, I, I never really believed that high school kids had those kind of thoughts. Yeah. A lot of times, you know. Totally. I, I didn't in high school. I don't know. Of course, when I went to high school, I don't think we had thoughts yet. We hadn't evolved to. Uh, <laughs> um, but just to wrap up some of the OC conversation, I, I think I might know what your answer is based on you saying you relate a little bit more to Cappy, but are you Ryan or Seth? Well, I'm going to surprise you. I'm actually Marissa on the OC. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I'm sort of wistful. That's the perfect answer. Yeah. <laughs> no, I would be more Seth. I yeah. definitely more Seth. <laughs> I'm, it's funny. I went to I I, I had a jury duty a few, a few months ago. I had jury duty. And I wasn't. I didn't really have an excuse that I felt was good enough to get out of it. So I went in and I got on. You know, I they they I got onto the question of the jurors and so that i i said i said i'm gonna be serious it's a serious case it was about a guy who had gotten in a car accident and he had a lot of horrible surgeries and you know his life was very badly impacted and it was a serious case and i thought i'm just gonna be the serious michael i know i can do this i'm gonna be serious i'm not gonna joke around and that this was my mantra i'm just gonna be serious so i get up and they get to me finally, and I said, Michael Lang, you know, whatever, I'm serious. And then the judge says, and what do you do, Mr. Lang? I said, well, I'm a, I'm a television director. And he said, really? So how do you think I'm doing? This is what the judge says. And he's like, oh my God. <laughs> how would you rate my performance so far? So I'm like, I could not help myself. I, I, I should have said, I'm sorry, Your Honor, but I'm trying to be sick. I said, <laughs> You know, pretty good. <laughs> I have some notes, but you know, overall, I think you're doing good. So the whole court laughs, and he laughs, and then now he asks a few more stupid questions, and I make more jokes, and it's getting out of control, and I can't control myself now. So now I just keep going, and then now the one of the lawyers says, "Well, so you're you're a director, right? Yeah. Well, first of all, how do you think I'm doing? So, like, I don't think you're doing that good, to tell you." That. <laughs> So I go into this, and I, you know, I'm joking. So, and of course, no one is, every, it's a chaos. And so finally, the guy says, So, well, let me ask you a serious question. So, you're a director, right? Yes. So, you're used to telling people what to do. I said, Yes. And he said, So, when you, when, you know, when the jury hears the case and then they go into the jury room to discuss it, everyone is equal and really no one, will you be able to deal with that? So I said, absolutely, as long as they all do what I say. So <laughs> he left, you know, he, he does not laugh. And everyone else laughs. And I said, no, I'm kidding. I'm obviously, I'm not the director here. I'm just a juror and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, they booted me off in, in a hard oh <laughs> They thought this guy, trouble. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> Well, you got kind of lucky then. You didn't have to be on a jury for. I guess so. Yeah, I think it probably would have been a pretty boring case, but anyway. Yeah, that's so funny. I mean, if somebody tees you up like that, how are yeah, you? Yeah, I couldn't to help it. I couldn't, I couldn't help <laughs> anyway, I'm um, not sure what this has to do. With, oh, it has to do with Cappy. Yeah. Yes. What would Cappy do? Yeah. Actually, I didn't realize, I think if we asked ourselves what would Cappy do more than what would Jesus do, I think this would be a better world. 
It would certainly be a more fun world full of very interesting schemes. Yes. What would that be, Bounce castles. That's right, exactly. <laughs> so um, going back to Greek, do you have a favorite episode that you directed? Well, the most recent one, I mean, I haven't seen... I haven't seen them in so long. So, uh, but I would say so far of the ones I have seen, I loved the, uh, I was going to say the beach, the, the beach one, but the Olympics one was pretty great too. We just recapped Take Me Home Cypress Roads and that one was uh, pretty epic. That was, <laughs> that was. And what was the last one? Oh, that was the graduation, right? I think you guys had, um an alternate ending too that I had oh, recently yeah. I recently saw it and I think in that one there's the it's the alternate ending is the graduation of like Rebecca's grade right. and Casey comes back but then the ending that we see as the audience is they're saving the house and Casey drives off with, right right yeah that's right. Drives off into the sunset onto uh, it was Valley Vista Boulevard here in the valley. Yeah, yeah. It's fun to see. Uh, Aaron and I both lived in LA at some point, so to see like different spots in LA sometimes pop up is funny. Like you right. know, I, I kind of recognize that now. It's in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's funny when we were watching. My wife said, "Where is this supposed to take place again?" I said, "It's supposed to be in Ohio somewhere." She says. Why is the weather always good? And I want to know <laughs> jokes about it in the show. So that's what we love. We love yeah, so always like reference it in the show because we always talked about it too before like those jokes started. We were like, guess it's another sunny day in Ohio. And then they would that's say right, exactly. <laughs> it's like Thanksgiving and they're walking out in like strapless dresses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally fine. We just sort of, we just sort of uh, owned it, I guess is the word. Yeah. But it makes it so much funnier and more endearing. Like, I love right. that you guys did that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the show always seemed very, like, self-aware. Like, I yes. we always felt like it was pretty tongue-in-cheek at times. And, like, I don't know, you guys always seemed, like, very aware of what you were doing and, like, why you were there. Like, this was supposed to be a lighthearted show. And, yes, there were serious moments. But it was never afraid to make fun of itself, kind of, or just like exactly. the whole thing of Greek life, which just makes it even more enjoyable to watch because you never get those moments of like, oh my gosh, this is taking itself so seriously. Right, you know? that's right, exactly. Yeah, that's that's one of the other reasons I love that show. I've worked on a couple of shows over the years where like the, the very first show I ever directed, which was way before you anyone was born, what you know was called riptide so it was the initials it was about three guys who lived on a boat they were private detectives one was a goofy geeky guy and the other two were handsome guys and they just had it was boats chases fights girls beach fun <laughs> and occasional guns would go off and then they would you know but no one would ever get really badly hurt and that was the show and it was a gigantic hit show I think more people watch that in one week than watch Greek in the entire four seasons. Oh my gosh. But then there were only, I think there were only three networks at the time. So on the third, the third season, I think it was the third season of the show, they changed showrunners. And this person came in and she, and she decided that the show needed to deal with more issues, social issues. And that was the death knell of the show because that wasn't what the show was. The beauty of Greek was it knew what it was and mm. it dealt with serious issues in a, in a really great way, but overall it was not a heavy show and it knew it. And I think that's why it worked. Yeah. I know um, setting up for this interview, you told me a little bit like, you know, you still keep in touch with Dillshot some are there anyone else from the show that you, you know, get to see around or that you still touch base with sometimes? Um, well, coincident or not coincidentally, but as things would have it, I did a, a comedy pilot a couple of years ago and Jacob was one of the stars in the pilot. Oh, wow. He, he played this sort of a, he played basically Rusty. He, he was a, he was a guy from Canada and he had, I think Jacob is actually from Chicago, but guy from Canada who came to LA because he wanted to be a director. 
and he lived in his car, which Jacob did live in his, Jacob was living in his car when Greek got picked up. Oh my God. The pilot for Greek, he was living in his car. Wow. Crazy, right? That's yeah. crazy. I know. Um, anyway, so that was his character, the sort of nice, you know, sort of just like Rusty. And he, <laughs> he was really great. And then I'm still friendly with Jules, who was the, the cameraman. Jules Labarth and I are still friends, although he now lives in Atlanta. So we don't really see each other that much, but we're in touch. And then like Dilshad, we just had coffee a few weeks ago. That was kind of out of the blue because she had been doing a show in Atlanta mm -hmm. with mine who was the production manager on the show. And he said, oh, he texted me. You won't guess who I'm, Dilshad says hello. I'm like, what? And then Nelly, I'm not really in touch with the other actors so much, but you know, some of the production people I am. That's great. We we spoke with Dilshad this summer and it was, she's so different from Rebecca. She is so, <laughs> has know. such a soft warmness. And, and it, it she was just, it was such a lovely conversation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's totally, yeah. She, that was some good acting she did because you yeah. would know, you know, like Scott Michael Foster is, he is capping. I mean, he, that's who he is. He's that same guy. And I don't think Jake is quite as, you know, rigid as, um, as, uh, as his character, but Rusty's rusty. I mean, Jacob is rusty. Spencer is pretty close to, you know, Casey and, uh, God, I can't Steven Amber, Amber Stevens. She's very similar to that's her. Character. Yeah. She was great. Yeah. He was always just so much fun to work with. Yeah, she seems amazing. And and Dillshot had mentioned this was like basically like her first big role was Rebecca on Greek. Right. Um, and I'm sure it was the case with um many of the actors since they were kind of college age at the time. Right. What was it like directing like a group of those young, kind of fresher, greener actors? It was fantastic. It was. It was just all because they were so wanting to learn and so enthusiastic about the work and, you know, excited about it. They, you know, they hadn't developed any cynicism really yet. And so it was great. So just kind of going into more of uh, your background in directing and how you got into it, what kind of TV did you personally watch growing up and how did it inform you as a director? Okay, well, first of all, I was not really allowed. My mother hated television. She thought it was a big waste of time. And I must say, I'm not gonna disagree with that. Um, <laughs> so I did not really watch a lot of TV and I didn't really like movies that much as a kid. Um, I, I liked theater. So I studied, I went, when I went to college, of course, I, I was supposed to be a doctor because that's what young Jewish guys are supposed to do. And uh, I didn't really see myself doing that. So um, I ended up getting into the theater department and my parents were horrified. In fact, they threatened to not pay for college. They said, we're not gonna, unless you, you know. Um, but I, so I, I called their bluff and I said, okay, fine. Don't pay, I'll quit college and I'll, um, so anyway, I studied theater in college and then I got out of college and I got into advertising. I couldn't get a job in the theater. So I got into the advertising business, which is kind of where I started learning about film and how you put things together. And I eventually became an a producer, uh, at a pretty big agency in New York. And then, but I, my real goal was always to direct. So I moved out to California and, um, after about a year and a half, I had, a, I have a, cousin had a cousin who was in the business and he got me this low-level job on a show called the fall guy as a post-production assistant and i just worked my way up from there wow that's so funny that you were weren't even like a big tv movie yeah. guy as a kid and actually it's funny because i do you know i've done my fair share of seminars and other questions you know forums and you know, <laughs> um and the first few I did, people would say, like, who was your, like, you know, who inspired you to become a director? Like, what director was your sort of mentor or, you know, who do you looked up to? And I would always answer the honest thing is no, no one really. I didn't really like movies that much. Mm -hmm. And no one liked that answer. So I realized, okay, I'm gonna, here, so here's the story I would tell. When I was a teenager, I went to see Lawrence of Arabia. 
And I was sitting in the movie theater and it was air conditioned. I make a joke sometimes about my age. I say, you know, they had air conditioning back then. And I'm sitting <laughs> in an air conditioned theater. And after the first 15 or 20 minutes, I was sweating. And I thought, oh my God, because it's all the desert. So the movie, even though I'm in an air conditioned theater is so powerful that it's making me physically sweat. I thought, that's unbelievable. That is amazing. So I want to be, I want to do that. I want to make movies. And is that true? That's no, it's totally <laughs> I did see Lawrence of Arabia, but I went with a girl and we were necking. So that's what it's called back then. I don't know why it was called that because the neck is not involved that much, but back. <laughs> I don't even remember that. It was in the desert. That's all I remember. Oh my God. Wow, well, that's a great story you made up for time. <laughs> <I love laughs> story. Oh, the director was Robert Wise. That's so the Robert Wise. He was my hero. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Oh my god. Well, maybe that's like a good thing to have not been. I feel like a lot of people. I was in film school for a few years, and I ended up leaving film school. But I feel like there are a lot of people trying to like really emulate like what certain directors are doing. And if you're not trying to be like something so specific, it kind of brings like a freshness to it. Right. So maybe yeah. it's it's good to not have had that like really intense idolization. Exactly. You know, and people's like I've read, I can't remember who it was, but some pretty well known director. They said, well, what what is your style? And they said, my. He said, my style is I look at the movie and I I think what would the best way to tell this story be? And that's my style. I don't really have a style or you say this is a, so I, I thought, no, I like that. Yeah. And then yeah. also, you know, you look yeah. at like my, the things I'm good at, it's, this is the perfect, it was the perfect job for me to, to be doing. Being a TV director, perfect job. Cause I, you know, I am musical, I, I can do music and I play the piano and I'm good with people and I'm kind of funny and I'm, I can visualize things in my head and then make them happen. And I'm good at telling people what to do. And I mean, the three things I, I, I'm hoping to remember all three, the three most important things for a director in television are know what you want, know how to tell people what you want and know when you've got it. I know I'm really good at that. I know what I want. I, I'm very good at communicating because you actually, as a director, I don't really do much of anything at all. I just tell people what to do and they do it. So, mm -hmm. you know, you have to know how to do that, how to communicate. Because if you can have the idea, but not really be able to communicate what you want, then who needs you? You know, <laughs> that's not going to work. Yeah. And then in TV, you have to know that I've got it and I'm moving on because moving on is a big part of TV. Mm -hmm. I'm sure, yeah. Right. That makes sense. Well, when you were directing Greek, were there any shows that you kind of like pulled information or not information, but inspiration from for maybe the style or the tone that you felt like that show was encapsulating or things that maybe you saw in other shows at the time or before even that inspired you while directing not the show? Really. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, I kind of got the show is not really rocket science. I sort of got the gist of what yeah. it was and you know, I think in TV, the audience wants, they don't want something different every week. They watch Greek because they love the characters. They love what they're doing. They like the arena in which it's happening. And they want that every week when they go to see their show. They want, if it's going to be super different, that, you know what, I don't want that. That's not the show I want. I want what happened to, you know, that show I liked. Yeah. There was right. one show that I did, uh, Life Goes On, which was a great, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but a fantastic show. It, was a, it had a Down Syndrome actor in it. Um, and it was about a family who had to you know, deal with their Down Syndrome son. And on that show, the, they wanted each episode to have a different look. So that was kind of cool. So <laughs> in that show I did, you know, I would, and I think, you know what, yeah. as I was, when I was first starting directing the crew, would would uh, always ask me what movie I had seen that weekend because I would come up with these shots that I you know were mm. kind of different. So maybe when I was first starting, I kind of tried out a bunch of stuff. But then, like as you fall into kind of, I think the show too. Those shows had you know twenty two episodes a season. Like it's easy to kind of get into a rhythm. Then when you're shooting for such a at least what I'm guessing is a long period of time, like you really get into a, a groove with the characters even watching exactly. it like and you know what the show is going to do not in a formulaic way but just like like you said you 
know what to expect from the episodes. It's 22 episodes long. Like there's time for it to, to build on those storylines and stuff. Um, And kind of bouncing off that and, and, you know, thinking about what brings the audience back and loving those characters and just being like really drawn um, to a show. Obviously Greek ended over 10 years ago now for um, some of our listeners, like are there any shows on TV right now that you think could kind of like scratch that Greek itch a little bit or any show that you even just recommend? Um, Let's see. Well, again, I'm not that big of a TV watcher. However, my wife loves it. So I do watch TV. So we're waiting to, I think White Lotus has now dropped all the episodes. We want to definitely watch that. And we just watched Dead to Me. We had seen it when it first was airing. But we realized that we had no, we didn't really remember what had happened. So we ended up binging all three episodes, all three seasons. That's a great show. White Lotus, I'm trying to, whenever I see anything on Facebook or whatever about White Lotus, I skip over it because I don't want to spoil it. I know, that's like the reason why I watched it in real time because I couldn't open my phone. I couldn't open Instagram without seeing what happened. That's right. But I'm not a big, I don't really care that much about that. To me, because... Like if I know the ending, first of all, usually I can predict the ending anyway, because I've read a thousand scripts. So, but like, I want to know who won the voice. I don't care. I I would still enjoy just as much seeing them announced as the winner when I see it, if I already know who it was. So I don't Mm -hmm. really care about spoilers. Yeah, I'm kind of like that too. I feel like it's rare though. People like are very intense on like the no spoiling, but I... I always read the ends and then at the end of like movies or shows and then I go back and watch and it's still just as fun. I kind of like it better. <laughs> I don't know yeah, why. the final page of the book. Right. Yeah, I always like to know what the ending is because like when you're driving, you want to know where you're going, don't you? So it's the same thing. Yeah. Do I want to invest my time to watch this whole thing and then the ending is going to suck? Mm. That's exactly yeah. how I feel. Like I like more about like how you know when you're how you get there right. than like what the actual ending is. Like I like to see it all unfold rather than like the eventual reveal exactly. or whatever. But exactly. I think we're in the minority on that opinion. Usually the re- the reveal is not that amazing anyway. Usually that's true. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm the right. opposite though. I don't even like watching shows with Jacqueline when I know she knows the ending because I'm like I don't want to see your react. Yeah. Like I don't want to see how you're reacting to this because you're gonna give it away somehow. Well, we have a couple of like quick questions we like to ask all of our all guests. Right. It's kind of like a rapid fire round CRU edition. Thomas, do you want to, do you want to take the reins on the rapid fire? Yeah, of course. Okay. So yeah, like Jacqueline said, all of our guests have answered these. Um, so just whatever pops into your mind first. So the first one is Dobblers or coffee cart? Coffee cart. Wow. Okay. I'm not really a drinker. Fair enough. All right. So the next one is favorite best friend duo. Calvin and Rusty or Casey and Ashley? I think Calvin and Rusty. Yeah, they have a sweet friendship. Yeah, because Casey and Ashley are super fun, but there's something like Calvin and and Rusty are fun, but there's also a lot of depth in there. Not that there's not depth. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Calvin and Rusty. Yeah. Favorite villain, Rebecca or Franny? Franny. (laughs) Same. So conniving. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> and, and then she, this last one we probably know your answer but thomas asked yes, the penultimate question team cappy or team evan i'm not even gonna answer that <laughs> right yeah, yeah we know <laughs> there, there's very few team evans dill shot was a team evan though he was uh, yeah even the real dill shot even the real yeah <laughs> he had a lot of empathy for his kind of a background and how it related to oh. Rebecca. Yeah. So she she had a she had a good reason for it. Yeah. No, I, I could see that. I could see that. If you're going from an empathy thing, yeah. But I'm not big on empathy. <laughs> <laughs> That's my first two wives. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> well honestly that might make you more team Evan if you're yeah. not big on empathy. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm shallow. I'm shallow. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Is there anywhere that, you know, our listeners can find you, find your work, anything that they should look out for? Uh, well, lately, I'm, I'm sort of in a, 
I'm, I'm developing, I'm working on developing a show and I, but uh, I haven't really been doing a lot of directing. So current work, no, but other than that, pretty much if there's a TV on somewhere in the world, there's going to be a Michael Lang show on. <laughs> my IMDB is ridiculous. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much. We had so much fun. It's like great to hear, you know, the behind the scenes of everything and just your takes on it all. And it's so fantastic that there's a, that you're doing this show about Greek. It's really so great. And I love it because like I said, I love, I love the show. It has a very special place in my heart and it's amazing that you're doing this. So thank you. Um, Yeah. Our, our, our listeners are going to be so excited. They are some very diehard Greek fans. So they're definitely going to be happy to hear everything that you shared with us. So thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. And I love them too. Thanks, Michael. Happy holidays. Bye.